Hello, freaks, and welcome to Radical Research 105. I'm with my buddy, Hunter Ginn. You're more than a buddy. I was about to say, I feel a little offended by that. Yeah, that's... that's a, a, a that. of our, uh, our, yeah, our long-standing and dear friendship. We've been through a <laughs> lot of life together, man. I'm just buddy. This yeah, dude I know. Demoted, and, and like doing it on the show. I've demoted you, I guess. I didn't yeah. need to. I'll have to find a reason. The man I'm, I'll definitely be leaning on in some cases. I was about to say, not not all cases. Don't build me up because uh, we are going to be heading into some territory that is unfamiliar to me as well. A couple of these bands, I I realized I uh, own more records by them than you do. So we will we'll, we'll address as this four part series gets underway. And don't panic; it won't be the next four episodes. We're going to do it. Uh, we'll explain it later. We want to thank. Three people who gave us some some donations. Uh, you can do that at radicalresearchpodcast at gmail.com. That is our PayPal ID. If you love us, if you like us, if you hate us and want us to go away, it's all the same. You can pay a cent. You can pay 100,000 cents. If you want to pay us a very, very large sum of money to go away, we will. <laughs> we promise. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, that, that PayPal ID... For those haters, uh, radicalresearchpodcast at gmail.com. Now, want to thank Eric Lynch. He, I believe, uh, all three of these guys that gave uh, recently, and you got to give, are <laughs> they're not they're not first time givers, and we when we thank them profusely for that. But Eric Lynch, great dude, I traded some emails with him. He's one of us, folks. Ben Simpkins and Rob No. Now, Ben Simpkins and Rob No have given before. They might even be familiar names to some of you. They both had mathematical fun. So what's starting to happen is people that give donations like to go beyond even the expected $19.93. There's a reason for that one. And of course, the $21.12, the $21.12 donation that we've gotten before. Uh, it's become a, a bit more, uh, even more creative than that. So Ben Simpkins, who gave us an inspired amount of money, and he allowed me to say what he gave us. He gave us $90.13. And he says, yes. This donation is actually for $90.12.5, but I'm fresh out of half-cent coins, so I rounded up to the nearest whole cent. Now, if you're doing the math out there, I'm off of Ben's quote, $90.12.5. Okay, start putting those numbers together. So back to Ben's quote. It can happen to you. It can happen to me. Hold on. Wait. Maybe. Nah. Might as well leave it. End quote. So he gave us 90125, the Yes album, with his donation, which we love. I think we're all lovers of uh, great admirers of that album. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I, I knew yeah. Cha Changes is uh, probably a top five. Yes. Song for me. It's a badass album. I don't, I don't care. It's a know. great, it's a, yeah, it's a fantastic album. It really is. And then Rob, no, Rob, no is N O E. Uh, he gave us $18 29 cents and offered this explanation for this amount. Now this one, I had to, I had to really like put my, put my head on for this one. He says, and I'm going to butcher this band name, Nachachwin, Nachnock, Nachnock, Nechachwin, you've heard of them, right? Nechachwin, they're I'm, on. Uh, they're on um, Marty Rickenen's label, Bindrun, or oh, they, yeah, they Bindrun. were for a while. I believe they okay. were for a while. Anyway, we might put this in the notes just because Rob was pushing Nechachwin, um, Bandcamp.com/slash/album/slash/heart-of-Akamon. He says this album has a song on it called October sixth, eighteen thirteen. So he splits that up as ten point oh six eighteen thirteen. So take ten cents and six cents. 16 cents plus $18.13 equals $18.29. <laughs> and Rob says, you are the only podcast for which I have listened to every episode. Keep up the great work. And that does us 
our hearts some good, no doubt. Rob, yeah, I um I've never had any we probably um kind of commented on things before um on Instagram, but Rob seems like a really, really super dude. His playlists are uniformly amazing. <laughs> so yeah, very and I mean obviously I um Ben Simpkins is one of my you know closest friends. Yeah, uh, a former member of Canvas Alert. Yeah, yeah, founding member of uh Canvas Alert, the instrumental version of Canvas. So yep. yeah, um, so he 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 knows. Missed him at the Agalock show in Denver, which we've uh we've done since we recorded the Discord episode. And we apologize for the long delay. You know, you had that show in Denver with this band called Agalock. Pretty important, pretty amazing life experience for me to watch you do your thing with them um and all those guys don john and jason just fucking <laughs> i can't explain how incredible those human beings are i know you think so too yeah yeah no no they're um yeah they're they they've really like kind of become a you know a serious part of my life yes uh, yeah. But yeah and then we've had some personal calamities uh nothing nothing too horribly grave but things that pushed us away from recording yeah. so here, here we are want to also before we start give a special shout out to espen t hongard uh, a one-time member of discord in their dystopics era he contacted us after the last episode uh 104 on discord and he said that he said a lot of good things and he's actually been listening to some other episodes the voivod one the sadist one so uh, we're so happy to have him in our little pool of freaks and yeah just want to say cheers to that dude very and, uh, uh, yeah, very humbled yes we are indeed now Episode 105 is going to be part of a four-part series. Uh, as I said earlier, we will not be doing this consecutively. We'll have three, four, five, six episodes in between our Intrigue episodes. Stephen Wilson recently curated a compilation called Intrigue. Uh, the subtitle is Stephen Wilson Presents Progressive Sounds in UK Alternative Music 1979 to 1989. I had to buy it. I can't remember the last time I bought a comp, and certainly in physical form. But this one, this one's really special. It's uh, in its CD form. I don't have the vinyl form, but the CD form is uh, a four CD large hardcover booklet with a wonderful booklet. I mean, like the it's the it's exactly the kind of information you want in something like this, especially when it's so conceptual. Of the 58 artists highlighted, all 58 of these artists that we will be listening to over these episodes are quite vastly different, yet they came out of the same thing. I'm going to ask you to kind of give that overlay hunter in a second because you you are way more familiar with this uh movement i have always been interested in it i've always known about it it's what i guess we'll just call post-punk i mean i think you can only uk post-punk um yeah. yeah especially what we're covering tonight um could only be called post-punk sure and it does it does go chronologically as a good compilation should i believe especially for this exercise right of the 58 artists highlighted throughout this collection, I was a fan of 11 of these. That leaves 47 artists that I only knew casually or some like Dolly's Car and Swell Maps that I do nothing about. Uh, I've mm -hmm. since become a fan of many of these. Those two are included for sure, especially Dolly's Car. Fucking you like Swell Maps? I like Swell Maps. That makes me very happy. Well, we'll I talk, would have we'll never, I, I mean, I would have never tried to turn you on to them, but that makes me 
Well, I like this song. I haven't I haven't gone in. Well, I've gone in enough. I listened to a couple other songs. That's that's how I know. You know what I mean? Like I'm like, oh, I like that. Dolly's Car, I know I love that album. I'm gonna be buying that. Uh, also Punishment of Luxury, which we'll cover in this episode. Magazine will also cover in this episode. These bands I really got turned on to recently. I'm super into them. Um, I know a lot of this stuff is up my alley. I just haven't haven't gone there yet, or maybe haven't had other than you, Hunter, which you've you've been a gateway for some of these for me. Certainly gonna purchase and ingest a lot more of this but um, i've tried to be a gateway for more than what i have been but there, yeah let's 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 know, let yes let's let listeners know that you have in great and generous regard tried to get me into some of these bands and then at the time which might have been 20 years ago might have been five or ten years ago uh, i wasn't i didn't respond well i didn't respond probably was after the um the split ends uh damascus moment where i i was like okay i finally got my in but that would be an in it, yeah and you know um, it's fun, funny like the cd that we're going to cover tonight the cd1 uh, the late 70s early 80s stuff some of this not all certainly not all of it oh, yeah. some of this does remind me of the root and toot and Luton era the 78 era for split ends this frenzy era yeah. i'm reminded of that stuff throughout i think they fit yeah. obviously they're new zealand so they don't qualify the, uh, the xtc for XTC. sure like, that, well, that, that, the early xtc is like clearly if not influenced by split ends, then they share influences. And guess who else is on this compilation we'll cover later? Cardiacs, who, when I first started getting into Cardiacs, I was like, man, I, I'd be surprised if they're into like the early split ends, like the 70s to late 70s. Uh, but indeed they are. I looked it up and they're like, yeah, they, they name that as an influence, which always makes me so happy because that split ends is that band that I'm always flying the flag for and feeling like I'm on a deserted island, you know? Yeah, like New Zealand. <laughs> there you go it's not inserted uh, yeah anyway moving on moving on i'd like you hunter to just kind of explain before we launch into the first song where we're at here in england in 1979 yeah i mean so essentially what you have is all the diy economy of punk the egalitarian nature of it you know anybody can pick up an instrument and play but i know you share this opinion with me but like a lot of you know what constituted that first 76 77 like punk era really really bores me i mean it's basically like sped up 50s rock i was just gonna say it's it's rockabilly or it's 50s rock yeah totally right. it had to me it has as much value as that stuff and people might take that as a neg completely negative comment. It's kind of positive in the sense that even though I don't like them and they bore me and they're like my probably my two least favorite rock subgenres or I, mm -hmm. we can't call rock the early rock a subgenre. It's the foundation. It is the rock. Sure, but but I don't like it. Um, I like it historically. I love punk historically. I don't even agree <laughs> with it historically in, in the in the way that some of them thought about it being a response to other music. I think that's right. just childish and dumb. But it was a response to something, certainly. So I love them historically, and I but I don't love the music. So there you go. Yeah. I mean, I um I'm really interested in the blues as a as a an ethos. Um yes. As, yes. you know, thing. I just don't I've never really enjoyed listening to the blues. And it's you know, and and you and I have said this before, you and I are fans of you know mutations. <laughs> right right yeah so I, I am right. and i'm going to invoke his name probably many times over the course of this little series but simon reynolds um wrote what i yeah, yeah, yeah. 
a definitive post-punk book, you know, rip it up and start again. And you turned me on to that book, which was familiarity with, for me, for like, you know, some of these bands on this comp. Strangle. And and I don't even share. Yeah, I don't share hardly any of his opinions about these bands, even though we like, we don't like the same things about these bands. It's like, uh, it's like Craig Zoller. Um, We could like the same record, but we like different things about the record. Interesting. Yeah, that, that that's true. Yeah. But Simon Reynolds has many, and, and I, and I do believe that he's one of the most gifted music writers of the last 30 or so years. Um, but he said that, you know, a lot of these bands, they gave themselves permission to listen to other music mm. and to experiment and do things that were, you know, more, musically interesting to them and get away from the the kind of hidebound you know conservative reactionary tendencies of straight up punk rock it's the exact same response what you just said to how i look at progressive rock where it was getting away from the norm of the mid-60s kind of that like searching for the next big pop hit Um, and these bands these musicians were listening to a lot of different music that's the thing about Prague and the first wave of Prague is that deep well of knowledge and inspiration and uh, making music that's well informed. Sure. And I think that we are going to encounter, especially, you know, it's going to get, it's going to get more complex as we go or or, more, um, more problematic um, (laughs) as we, as we go along. But in this first episode, 105, you're going to hear bands that um, are clearly in love with the music of the past, have interesting and conflicted engagements with it. We'll talk about Gang of Four in particular, who I um, just absolutely worship. I mean, it's just it's just really one of the most fascinating and complex periods in, in pop music history as far as I'm concerned, but it's exactly to what you say, man, like with the, you know, with that first wave of prog bands, especially in England, it was like, you know, but we like, we like Sly Stone. We like Stockhausen. Yeah. yeah. Why can't these things all exist (laughs) in sort of a stabilized environment through our lens and I, this is what we find here too, because you could, I mean, well I think, said, well said, by the way. Yeah. But I think this is basically art rock, you know, it's uh, not, well, art. Um, you know, by definition, but I think it is. Well, I mean, look, a lot of these people were, they're all English or they all have English, strong, strong English roots. Mm-hmm. And that, England has a much stronger tradition of art schools. I mean, it's just, it's, sure. it, it's, it's, yes. it's usually a better option for a kid in England than it would, might be in the U S if, if somebody right. was just going to say, I'm going to go to art school. So yeah. that's where the term art rock kind of originated as I understand. Yeah. Yeah. That that's a very, that's a great point. And are you surprised that for a comp a for a, how many 58 song comp 58 done by Steven Wilson, no less. Um, but is it any surprise he's behind this? Well, let's start. This is uh, the band called Wire, uh, otherwise known in my world as the band Decroitzen covered once. (laughs) I'm not committed on this song yet, but of course, you're going to bring us out and you're going to tell us all about Wire because I'm still intrigued. 
third time i've heard that one some of these i've listened to way more but um that only three times and by the end i'm it won me over like i find it so haunting and beautiful and stern i mean it's just it's slate gray um (laughs) i like listening to wire makes me envious of of europeans um and that you could be so unapologetically intellectual and like in poetic literally like the chorus the choruses have different lyrics he uses the word calibrate in a chorus <laughs> American could right. never get away with that yeah um and colin newman is so colin newman is the vocalist in wire and and, and recorded some absolutely stunning solo albums um with 4ad uh this is off their third record uh 154 which is my favorite wire record they began life as a very very minimal very minimal punk band um their first record pink flag came out in 1977 was i mean it's i would call it ascetic Mm. it's it's like a yeah if you were eating like fatty tuna, it is the ginger that you would eat between the pieces. And, leave it to you to give that as a great example, but you're 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 right. It's a good analog. <laughs> I'm always thinking about food, Jeff. Um, that's why I pointed it out. Yeah, it can't be said. It can't be said enough. <laughs> how much you, you always have food? And I haven't about food. I haven't eaten dinner yet. Um, oh, that's, that's I had a, a big lunch, so I'm already starting to get hungry. So I'm well, gonna, settle in. This is gonna be a long one, and you knew that. Yeah, I know. well, whatever. Well, it'll be fine. I All gave right. you to eight thirty. Okay, so that's what we got. All right. But but they they progress. I mean, those records were the three records 
recorded um, just over three years. So um, this record, 154, came out in 1979. There's a, a song, one of the song titles is <laughs> Map Reference 41 Degrees North, 93 Degrees West. Yes, yeah, I love um, that, yeah. Yeah. I love the cover of 154. I think it looks like their music sounds, although it's a yeah. little more colorful perhaps than this one track. But I don't, yeah, I need to dive in. For any um, any radical research legion who is not uh, familiar with this band, I think one five. I don't know if it's one five four or one fifty four. I don't. I, I think this would be a really good starting point. Um, it, it is a fascinating and quite progressive record. Nice. Um, okay. You okay. said haunting, stern, very very stern. That's a great word. It's very serious music. <laughs> yeah. Right. And right. mysterious. Uh, no humor. You know, there are slivers of irony here and there in their music. Oh, yeah. But there's a, an essential melancholy. Like, Wire's music always sounds like uh, a gray sky that never gives you, like, the satisfaction of rain. It's, <laughs> you know, it's just overcast. <laughs> Dude, I love that. I love that. There's a quote in the booklet in the the Wire, I Should Have Known Better part. I guess we, we should say that that song was called... Uh, I should have known better. We didn't even mention that. Uh, but uh, Bruce Gilbert, is he another member? Mm -hmm. Yeah, Bruce Gilbert is quoted in the booklet as saying, I was fantasizing about Wire being the most experimental band in the world. They were short-lived, and that's too bad, because I would have liked to hear what would have gone after this, or, or am I wrong about that? Well, I mean, they got back together. I mean, there was a re reunion. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think Colin Newman, his solo records don't really continue in a linear way from where one fit they, they didn't I understand yeah metal. yeah okay um, well i guess what i meant was like that first wave yeah. of course i would have i wish we'd had something that was like even you know two years after the right. third album because it feels like they were not done and i don't know where they, they went were, they, were, yeah, they were um yeah but they were yeah in ascendancy do you like the reunion stuff oh uh, yeah yeah Okay. I mean, I, I, I like. I mean, I like Wire just um, all around. But one fifty four is, uh, yeah. I mean, it's it's a it, for me. It's kind of a masterpiece of this era. Interesting that it's this whole comp, this whole epic project of Stephen Wilson's starts with that song. I think that's very telling. I think the sequencing here was also very interesting. Uh, it doesn't always make sense to me, but we'll get into that song by song. Let's move on. Thanks for the Wire education, man. I could listen to you talk about the history of the telephone book and I'd be just stunned. Oh, stop. <laughs> okay. So Bill Nelson's Red Noise is the name of the band and artist uh, we'll listen to next. The song is called A Better Home in the Phantom Zone. That checks off a lot of boxes for us who love, <laughs> love the song titles. From an album called Sound on Sound in 1979. Now, this guy is known to us and he's one of the three... I guess you'd call them prog luminaries if we're just going to put a very broad umbrella under it that appears here that had a lot of seventies action in that world, in the prog world. And we'll, we'll review the two others as we go, but Bill Nelson was part of bebop deluxe. In fact, he was what you'd call the leader. And that was a very special band. I, I I'm a huge fan. They are art rock gods to me. I can't remember if we played them on the art rock episode. Um, we, I don't, we did not. I we didn't play some from Futurama. Did we? Well, I think we did. Like we, Sister we Seagull, maybe, well, or, we, Okay, well, my memory is It might have been Sister Seagull. Anyhow, big fans. You love Futurama Man. as much oh as I God. do. Uh, modern music. 
Modern music's amazing. And my third favorite, Drastic Plastic is my third favorite after Futurama and Modern Music. Yeah, I love Drastic Plastic. And it was Bill Nelson wanting to break up Bebop Deluxe and, and do this red noise thing. But the label were like, no. And they said they had that same lineup as, you know, the previous Bebop albums. Um, so they just called it Bebop. And, but you can hear like him going toward more of a new wave, post-punk, electro-synth pop type direction, but still very arty. And what came out was Red Noise in 1979. So it's, you know, to me, it sounds like like if Bebop kept their name, it, this would be their next album. And it doesn't have yeah. those those guys on it. Um, Dave Maddox plays something on it. We, You and I had a great discussion about session drummers in Colorado. And he's got to be near the top, right? Oh, God. He's... Of like how many jobs he's had. Amazing. Oh, so anyway. um, well, remember, he didn't uh, he didn't rate as highly as we thought. But but I mean he's got oh he's got you know over hundred like credits or something I mean <laughs> yeah over a hundred credits or anyhow he intersected with Bill Nelson's world here and and this is weird dude because you know what I love Bebop Deluxe like I, I have all five I I just love them and I know you love them too I knew about Red Noise but I had heard like a later Bill Nelson solo record that turned me off completely and I was like yeah I'm, I'm not gonna check out his solo stuff you know really ignorant type thinking but. There's a lot to listen to out there. So I didn't. And then like this comp yeah. made me made me go with, I bought Sound on Sound immediately, a nice deluxe reissue. And also uh, the first Bill Nelson proper solo record after he dropped the Red Noise name. Uh, Keep Quiet and Get on the Beam, I think is the name of the album. And I've listened, like to, that tw I've listened to that twice now and I absolutely love it. So here's where we're at with Bill Nelson. So it's a it's an interesting little trajectory that this guy has and how he dovetails into this world. But let's listen to A Better Home in the Phantom Zone.
Yeah. Oh man. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's a burner. <laughs> that's uh, a killer. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, it it rocks more than a lot of the stuff that we're going to be listening to tonight. Certainly. It it really does. It's got more edge to me and a little more acid than Bebop Deluxe, but it definitely sounds like, it sounds like Bill Nelson. It, it um, told, I don't think there's any it, way for him to, to conceal his identity as a guitarist or as a songwriter. I, dude, I love that because Bill Nelson has total identity. It's not the most memorable name. <laughs> you know, it, <laughs> Bill it, Nelson. Sorry. I yeah, that is uh, his given name. Bill um, Nelson, yeah, like, and not like some adopted one. It. Dude, you're going to be huge. Bill Nelson, I can see it in lights, pal. I can see yeah. it in lights. Now, it doesn't roll off the tongue like Peter Gabriel or David Bowie, but he is, he does have that level of vision where he just dominates everything he's in. He's had a really prolific solo career that I just can't even imagine getting to before I die. I mean, let's face it. Yeah, probably not. And yeah, uh, yeah I don't think I'll have time. Too much. But this stuff is great. This stuff's really vibrant. I love this uh, early Bill Nelson stuff. It's really incredible. And I wonder if some of this, as we go along, if we're going to start seeing it cannibalizing itself a little bit, because it's ten year. It's a 10-year span. Tonight is 79 and 1980. Uh, that's it. But like this comp goes all the way to 89. And I think of Cardiacs when I listen to that Red Noise song, uh, the Bill Nelson sure. song. Oh, sure. Yeah, that level of ability and zany yeah, and yeah. scary and awesome and joyful. Like, it's all of that, which to me, Red Noise is all of that. And Bebop Deluxe is all of that. Like, right. um, it really, so I'm thinking Cardiac's probably listening to Bill Nelson and or Bebop Deluxe. Yeah, I mean, those uh, those accents um, and just the, the mania of it. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Um, I wonder if that's, you know what? Stephen Wilson's trying to get across, at least in in part, is to show the, um, you know, what what would appear to be, you know, fifty eight, very very different artists um, <laughs> that all share this, you know, some 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 uh, tendencies or impulses or something, you know. Oh, absolutely. I think you know. I mean, everything he, that guy does, Stephen Wilson is conceptual. Like he makes damn sure right. he's he's confident about something before he goes into it. There's not a lackadaisical Wilson-headed album out there. Like you can not like some of them. There's a couple that I don't like uh, across his broad career, but the majority I'm fucking crazy for. <laughs> but one thing he always has, like like it or love it, is that identity. Like it's or, or this plan or this concept or this. It's always really airtight. I'd even argue like the first Porcupine Tree which we covered, which is the loosest Wilson. Of yeah, it's all. a pretty wild album. But I think that comes off here with the, you know, in terms of packaging, sound, some of these are, and we're not going to try to get too so in the weeds that we're mentioning this every time. Our research is never that radical. I, I think people have found out, but he has remixed some of these. And I don't know yeah. if some, some were like existing things he did years before or something for this, but I love that level of involvement that he's had with some of these bands too. Well, and I don't think anyone, I mean, whether or not you like Stephen Wilson's music, whatever your whatever your opinion is about his music, that man has never touched anything like an old album that he's remixed or remasters that he hadn't made better. Oh, I completely agree. I mean, it's the, the weirdest is, thing. It shouldn't be, even be possible. But yeah, the Aqualung, I'm really fond of in terms of what he did for that. Octopus. Uh, but Octopus, the one is great. Yeah, I could keep going. We won't. 
the point is that that's kind of a rare thing because I think a lot of us music fanatics are also kind of purist in a way. Uh, don't mess with the original in any way. Like, please, if you can make it better, great. Usually, usually in those attempts are they don't make things better. <laughs> they make them different. Uh, the Grand Declaration of War Mayhem album. The second one's interesting and different enough that you can kind of a b them, but the a absolutely kills it. The the, the original absolutely kills it. But yeah, I'd like to see Stephen Wilson do that one, <laughs> but I don't think it needs it either. Yeah, I think we're good there. Anyhow, we we move on. Magazine. A name that was not new to me. I'd heard Voivod name drop them, which doesn't make any sense why I haven't responded. I know you've tried with this band with me in the past, but there's something that's a touch in this song we're going to listen to called Back to Nature from their secondhand Daylight album. Strikes me as one being pretty hard to describe and two being really likable. Like I I, I fell for this right away. Uh, have this album come vinyl to me soon. Yeah, no, it's um, it, they're a very interesting band. I mean, it's uh. Howard DeVoto from Buzzcocks, but there's a lot shoved into the early magazine stuff. I hear there as somebody brand new to this who absolutely loves it and i've listened to the album since on title and i love it but here on this song i hear a touch of early japan and by that i mostly mean david sylvian and how different he sounded on those first two japan albums which i adore man i think i've like i like those more and more over the years a little bit of the synth sound too that richard barbieri had another stephen wilson time uh, but i hear some of that in magazine especially uh in, in this song uh back to nature 
also hear a little bit of like Vandergraaf Generator, God Bluff through Quiet Zone creeping in. The vocals too. The vocals, the angularity of the music, but definitely the vocals. Or not the angularity. Vandergraaf is way more angular, but I think that Magazine has that awkwardness maybe or this stumbling or this something that's like endearing about it that I don't know, man. It's weird. It's Let's just call it weird. There's something weird there. And then also... Something weird, but also something extremely uh, approachable too. Like lovable um, it's lovable yeah right? and and i mean those synth melodies are yes. just absolutely uh, gorgeous yeah and they're, and they're pretty prog i mean i i, I was about to say they yeah. they're they're not they're not what you would associate with new wave or i mean they they're definitely have a a, a foot completely in in prog i mean those are those are thick unctuous analog synth sounds oh man well said. We'll deal with that with the Stranglers track that we cover this episode because I love that only because of the prog keyboards. The rest of it I could take or leave. Anyway, yeah, we'll, get to, I, we'll get we'll I, get to that. I'm I'm I remain unconvinced. <laughs> we'll, we'll get to that. <laughs> uh, but uh, the other the other band I wanted to relate uh, this song and band to was definitely 1993 era Voivod. Outer Limits. When when the vocals come in uh, after these short, you know, short, shortish instrumental mm. part of the song, when the vocals come in, the music behind it sounds, especially mm. the guitars, sound like a soaring, celestial, clean piggy, you know, like this, yeah. um, I don't know, not antiseptic kind of laser piggy, you know what I mean? Like just whatever he was on Outer Limits, people know it. You know, yeah, I can it's, totally, I can. It's hear there, that. and you're you're like, oh, I I I would love to know and i think we know now that piggy might have really studied that and gone hmm <laughs> i want to well, i want to achieve yeah. exactly exactly that because it's pretty specific how it sounds okay. I, to me it it can't help but evoke outer limits era boy Vaughn. so your history of magazine let's talk this is exciting because i we haven't talked to some of these bands that you know really well yeah i mean i um i got into buzzcocks pretty early on in my my musical life because they were a huge influence in a lot of the um you know the indie rock stuff that i liked i mean they were very I mean, they were a punk band but they were very very tuneful way more pearl, pearl jam loves buzzcocks yeah they've well i mean a lot of tons of people there yeah um uh, i mean they they were they probably had more to do with you know late 60s rock um just sort of okay. repackaged in in a in a punk way and so in reading about them i heard about Howard DeVoto's, you know, weird detour after this band called Magazine, and it, which intrigued me too, because it's such a, I mean, it's like a common object, but it's a weird name. I always got you know? them and television mixed up for a while. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> before yeah. before I knew, oh, the New York thing, and then, the, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. And I mean, um, but I knew that I was interested in people branching out and doing weird things and so yeah i got this album and just loved it they don't have a spotless career they have a short career um but they sort of lost lost their potency toward the the end of their career um unfortunately but uh i looked up the discography online and i saw you know the album covers the titles the years they came out just to kind of familiarize a little bit after i fell in love with this song and an album and I got really excited about about this album, Secondhand Daylight, because the cover's great. And the, everything about the cover is fantastic. And I love yes. this song. I love all the imagery that's happening. 
uh, and magazine now being television or tables, you know, it, it, it's, uh, <laughs> it, it, it means something different to me now, but I looked at the other ones. I'm like, ah, oh, they don't look attractive to me somehow. Like what, what's the deal there? Or am I, is that just me being? No, no, no. Like the, uh, what's the, uh, the lat, the pink one, the last one. It, it's a, it's a very tired sounding album to me. Okay. Interesting. Okay. Like a, a band right. that, that uh, you know, ran a short course. We'll move uh, along, but we're three songs into 58 people on a four episode series. And um, I think Stephen Wilson's nailing this one uh, yep. so, far, so far. I think he's done a really good job. So kudos to him if he ever gets wind of this. Oh, the last thing I wanted to say about magazine was check out the song Permafrost, which uh, concludes Secondhand Daylight. That thing is mm. this haunting, cinematic, and just plain fucked song. It's it's almost like dark and weird in an acid bath way because it, it or I don't know. There's there's a few bands that that will give yeah, you yeah no it's, it's will give you this chill. But I thought Permafrost was just sinister and believable as hell in in this really dark world. It was it was it's great. Yeah. yeah. Do you have a love of that song in particular? Oh or? my god, yes. Okay. It's amazing. Speaking of amazing, uh, XTC. Now, this is a band that I'm a completist with. I absolutely love this band. I don't love Dukes of Stratosphere. So, I've, yes, I've tried. <laughs> I think that's the name of their psych, 60s psych thing. I was just mm -hmm. like, ah, it's just not as good of a, it's not as it's not as good as some of the XTC proper psych. And I also really start catching on with them with Black Sea, their fourth album. Drums and Wires is their third album, and the one featured here you know them not as well as I do, but I know you love what you love from this band. I, I want to hear your thoughts on XTC overall because we haven't talked a great deal about them. So, surprising, but we haven't. I don't think. Yeah, I mean, um, my two favorite records are Skylarking and um, English Settlement. Uh, <laughs> well, <laughs> uh, those are pretty fucking good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, very yeah, different yeah. from very different from this. Not uh, maybe very different. An overstatement. I, I love Black Sea as well. Um, yeah. But, you know, early on, they there was uh, more manic energy about them. I mean, they were a younger band. and I, Yeah, yeah. And normally that would appeal to me, but like with <laughs> with XTC, I, I really prefer their mature period. And I, I feel like they just got better and better. And I feel like Andy just ended up doing what he really wanted to do maybe all along. Um, yeah, I mean, because he he always was maybe sixty percent songwriting in the in the early yeah, and classic right. days, and right. it started it started to go more and more toward him and less of call like two or three by Colin maybe you know like it yeah and that's fine because you know I like you said I like where he took them I like what they did in their quote unquote mature period. It's funny. I mean, some of their you know their their biggest hits were on earlier records. True, but like, what about the Big Express? Do you know that album? It's right in between some of the ones you love, but I don't know if you know I that. Do one. not. Yeah, that's really good too. I mean, they man in that period, which really kind of peaks with Skylarking, and then I think they go off and do other things. Mm -hmm. And speaking of other things, like this last song, this is the song that concludes their third album, Drums and Wires, which is a song I've always absolutely fucking loved, and I don't love much of the album. But this is great. And this is an amazing pick. I was really excited that you picked this because it just deserves highlight because it's also, while it fits in with those first three XDC that are, you know, more brash, brazen, punky, sharp, aggressive, mm -hmm. this song even stands out from that stuff. This is kind of like, if you know, like Detroit's an all white on the first album, very yep. different tone than the, anything else on it. 
And yep. this this one stands out to me on Drums and Wires the way All White does for D. Kreutzen. This could be a fantastic metal cover. Oh, I mean, in the right hands is is the. Yeah, I, I think I, I Voivod could have covered this. Yeah. Again. Oh yeah. 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 Um, I, I've I've heard Voivod and well, I've heard XTC and Voivod. I guess would be the way to say it. But I've certainly heard probably accidental parallels. You know what I mean? Where, oh gee, that XTC part right there sounds kind of like Voivod from this era. You know. Um, um, and I have to say that is one of the strangest uh, guitar solos you will uh, ever hear pop song. I would love to talk about the guitar solo. Glad you brought that up. I figured you would. It was recorded, and this is Partridge's quote. This is the writer, one of the main guys at XTC. Partridge says, I did it on purpose. I want to just crash across the track. I read somewhere about how Captain Beefheart did the vocals for Trout Mask Replica with no headphones on. They just pointed to him from the control room when the track had started and he just sang. I wasn't responding to the track. I was just making a mess of noise that became a no-key, no-time solo. So it's just one of those approaches. It's been done. But it works. And as you say, in the right hands, it can sometimes be magic. And I think that's the magic there. Yeah, no, it, it totally works. And it, it doesn't sound as random 
um, as what he describes. Right. Totally was, yeah. Wilson says this is his favorite song or one of his very, 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 very favorite songs of all time. So uh, I okay. like that he he had to point that out in the, in the liner notes. <laughs> Makes sense. Let's talk about Public Image Limited. But I think Peter Hamill's, and Peter Hamill is on this compilation. So he is definitely part of this world. We'll talk about him a lot. But his album, Nadir's Big Chance, it came out in like 76, right at the punk explosion. And being kind of punky for a guy like Peter Hamill of Vandergraaf Generator, I think that's ground zero for a lot of this. And it's pertinent to the next band, Public Image Limited. I would say like like that and, um, and Hawkwind are both mm. super... Like the um the Calvert era Hawkwind, oh, I think totally anticipates oh. a lot of what would become punk. That should be a show. We need to do an episode on Calvert era only Hawkwind. Not that we we love other Hawkwind for sure, sure. but before yeah. that and after that, but something really special about the Calvert era. And a lot yeah, of it's, it's just, a lot of it's Calvert. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. I mean, even yeah, I mean the solo record too. Like the first but, one. Um, yeah. Yeah. I think both of those things, even though they come out of a different tradition, end up informing a ton of this. And and look, um, John Lydon, uh, much to Malcolm McLaren's uh, horror, was a, a you know a, a stated acolyte of uh, Van der Graaff Generator and Peter. Well, that Hamm. tells that tells me fuck Malcolm McLaren. Then. Yeah, well, Malcolm McLaren is you know uh, monkeys manager. <laughs> You know, f- fuck him. You don't like Vandergraaff Generator? You ain't our friend. Yeah, yeah, you, yeah. Look, exactly. Yeah, I, you and I are not. Um, you're either with us or against us in regard to most things. You don't like Peter Hamill and Vandergraaff Generator? Get the hell off my block. <laughs> and now that you're talking smack, I'm going to talk some more smack. I hate the Sex Pistols, and I'm, that's not smack. That's oh, not, I, I, that's I, genuine. I, I also, I so this is a question for you, Hunter. I also hate the Clash. I respect the Clash a little more in terms of artisticness, but no, I don't really like them. So I don't like their music at all. Yeah. So you and I are in agreement on this, but you've been a long time Public Image Limited fan, and you've tried to get me into the, them a couple times, and I just know I I wasn't ready then because I know I'm ready now. I love this track choice, it's, but want to hear you talk about them because this is also wow. That's why I brought up Peter Hamill because Lydon comes. Yeah, this is um being a Hamill. This is a very very challenging album. I was certainly not ready for this when I first heard it. So it, it goes by a couple of names. I think it's technical title is second edition. This is their second record. It became known as metal box because right. of the packaging. It literally came in a metal box, but it is an incredibly futuristic album. Keith Levine, I think is up there with, with Andy Gill from gang of four and, and Robert Fripp and Pete Cosey, who played with uh, Miles Davis is like really one of the most groundbreaking futuristic guitarists ever. Um, Jaw Wobble totally changed the possibilities of bass in, um, in rock and pop music. He, I mean, it, it, so, I mean, pill co-ops, you know, dub, disco noise art rock whatever it wants to to satisfy its own purposes and and they had a like a fascinating career after that 
they went on to do like just a ton of interesting things. Hell, Tony Williams played on a, a, a <laughs> film. I mean, yeah. Um, but uh, for me, this is this is the one. Um, I really like I really like the song Career Ring. This is the one that finally clicked with me. Yeah. I think it might have been the environment I was in because I'm I was loving this comp the first time I heard it. I love the idea about it. I certainly don't love it. There's things I kind of hate on this thing, but this is not one of them. This like really caught me. But I was probably yeah. It's um, it, it it's, helped to have like maybe context. This context, you know, you never made a comp like this for me, Hunter. I mean, you tried to turn me on to these guys. Oh, sorry, you didn't do like fifty-seven other artists that they sound like. So um, my bad, Hunter. You know, that's why you're my buddy and not my dear, 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 dear friend. Anyway, well, I guess so. Yeah, it's it's a big it's a big. I, and I will mention too, um, just the like conceptually, this album's really really interesting too. There's a um, a song called pop tunes that's written from the perspective of someone from an abductee who is in the trunk of a car and hears the music that's playing in the car oh wow i mean it's a lot of re yeah oh i love that i've never heard that that's amazing yeah <laughs> it's a yeah i um i have a lot of love for this record it took me i think i was i don't know probably 17 the first time i heard it and i just absolutely did not understand it at all I'm very interested now. I don't know how I couldn't be. I don't know how I wasn't before, but I love that. I love the droning synth in the back, just kind of anchoring everything the whole time. And mm -hmm. it almost, sometimes your ear gets drawn to that mostly. And like, there's a, you know, there's some things going on yeah. there. Um, yeah. I love it. I just, just uh, sound wise, it's great, but it does appeal. 
It's called careering. And that's interesting too, because this very same year that metal box came out, Peter Hamill had a song uh, called careering on his pH seven album, which I know is an album you like. Oh, I love that album. Shit. Yeah. <laughs> Hamill fans. I, think, I can't imagine a Hamill fan that doesn't love pH seven, but um, yeah. yeah, it's, there's also a song called careering completely different. Uh, just a neat little coincidence or not. So I, I purchased a, a PIL album a few weeks ago, maybe a month and a half ago used the used record store here called McKay's uh, in Winston-Salem location. And I just took a chance because it was like four bucks and I had like $90 credit. So I'm like, yeah, I'll, I'll try this. No big deal. I'll recycle if, if, and I'm recycling this and it's a PIL album called that was not. And I, I didn't like it at all. Oh dude, that's way later. That's yeah, I, I know. I know it's 92 or 90. Yeah. It's not good. No, no. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I, I I wish you'd have called me. Oh yeah, no. Like I said, yeah. four bucks and I, you know, I had credit to, to sure. loan, so yeah, didn't keep that one. Yeah. Uh, so I have yet to make a, a public image limited purchase. I will soon because I, I need to get a few of these on on their proper formats. What should I go for first, you knowing my musical taste? Yeah. Um I I would go for this one and maybe Flowers of Romance. Flowers the... is the third or fourth? The third flowers of okay, okay, and then their um, I think it's their fifth album called Album, right? Um, that came out in '86. It's also quite good. Okay, let's jump to a band that, like, for me, I always put in some vague category because I just never really knew much about them, uh, like The Damned uh, or um, a lot of these UK punk bands. The Stranglers have ties to that world, right? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I Amidst mean, all of that, like strongly yeah, were, and had a strong presence there. Straight up, yeah, punk band early on. So why are they here? So because this is their this is off their fourth record, which a lot of people really a lot of people hold in in great regard because it was a, a detour for them. The producer, I don't know if you're familiar with him, Goldie. Um, he was a drum and bass producer in the nineties. He worked. Oh, okay. Bjork. In that realm, I think I've heard the name. Sure. Yeah. Well, he worked with Bjork, um, quite a oh, bit. Oh, okay, um, okay. Yeah. On, um, her second record. I should know that. And, uh, it, it, like he, this is one of his like top five records. Oh, wow. So like, it's a record that runs through a lot of different circles and it's kind of, I guess, kind of a curiosity. I <laughs> Just straight up don't like the Stranglers. Oh, um, yeah, I, I don't like. I don't. I mean, I'm not. I'm not even like super crazy about this song. I got turned on by the song the first time I heard it. The second time I listened, I was still enthused, but not as much. And I don't. I don't love this album, and I, yeah. I don't like this stuff before like at all. Okay. Um, well, this song. My take on this song. I don't love the general skeleton of it, or what it's doing, or the emotion, or how it's played. But I do like the crescendo of it, and I love the synths at the end. And this is the one, the other one where I'm like, yeah, that's like no. from a frog world. I mean, it's straight up like could be a sample, but I love it. I love that. Well, it's you not. Know, you it, and I are synth wars. We are. Well, this, yeah, this, this could have and should have been on synth wars. Here we go. This is the Stranglers. This is the title track from their '79 album, The Raven. Sometimes I behave just like a child. We 
I mean, they get extra credit for the synths. You can't, you can't. Those are, I mean, those, and those synth sounds are um, from the opinions of certified synthors. Those are damn fine synths. They actually, some of the, they remind me weirdly, and I, I hope this offends um, the Stranglers in a major way, um, <laughs> but I, they, they kind of remind me of, um, Led Zeppelin's uh, "Into the Light" from Physical Graffiti. Oh wow! Uh, oh no, I don't. I don't think that would offend. It, that, that's a band that, like, kind of across the boards, people seem to have. Well, anyway, uh, I hope it does. Yeah, that's interesting. That, that's, well, that's all I'm I, saying. I, I hope it offends them. I like. Well, I I, I do too. Uh, let me just say that. I, I, and I, I like. I like. I like your your comparison. I think it's 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 good. It's uh it's not audacious. As we've talked about, synths are about texture as much as they are about you know melody or you know how they're delivered oh yeah you and i don't yeah totally yeah. I mean, and we'll talk like, about that two songs from when you get a great melody from a, a good sounding synth that's just like yeah just added and we'll talk about just texture when it comes to either synth or keyboards as uh two two songs down ultravox the ultravox song but uh before that this band called punishment of luxury who were unknown to me i think unless totally some... unknown to me yeah i've never even heard of them before I, this if you look at their first album like it, it had some familiarity to me like maybe I'd maybe just come across it at some point but i i don't think i'd heard them and i expected i'm not sure what i expected especially you know knowing that it's in context of all this 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 whole compilation but we got kind of like a metallic devo with this song and i listened to the album straight away after that on title and i was like yeah that's pretty good it it has faults in places. It doesn't keep the interest as, you know, some songs are just weaker than others, but um, generally it's very good um, and super interesting. So I have two of their albums on the way. I had to order those because I love the good stuff so much by this band. The thing about the album is it's a little underbaked production wise. It, that's an album that is kind of a good example of something that could really benefit from a better production. 
something more purposeful, Wilson-esque? Wilson-esque? Wilson-esque. Maybe he can get his hands on the reels and work his magic. So we're going to listen to this and uh, we'll get your thoughts as, as uh, this is new to you. Here they come. They'll never take me away. I won't go to room 16. You will. band's never crossed my path or yours because it, <laughs> right up our alley and I, I love what you said about a more metallic devo mm. also hear some of the most anxious and urgent solo peter gabriel in this oh ooh, i like um, that yeah like when Peter yeah. gabriel's just like losing his shit yeah yeah kind of get that from this yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah I mean, when I uh, when I saw this name, I mean, in no way has this band like ever come across my radar. Well, it's also not a very memorable band name. Punishment of luxury. Not yeah. really. More of an album title than a band name. <laughs> right. Right. But this was from uh, the 1979 seven inch Puppet Life and their album. The one that uh, I found on title was uh, Laughing Academy. It's up and down. It has production problems, like I said, but I think it's um, a really interesting band. Yeah, I, I look forward to checking out more because they have a second album a few years later that was apparently quite different and kind of proto-goth, goth rock, okay. uh, which I find interesting. Uh, so we'll see. We jump to Ultravox. This to me is interesting as a synth demonstration and, and just fantastic texturally. There's not much more there for me in three listens. This one's another one of those where I've only given it. Oh, and it's instrumental too. Um, Fine with me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm, I I don't know. Why would that, I, why would that disqualify them, Hunter? I hate yes. instrumental music. I know you do, man. You and Sean Pilata. The worst. <laughs> 
So yeah, this is Ultravox, a song that there's much to talk about with. So we'll get into that after this. This is from their Vienna album, came out in 1980, a song called Astrodyne. This album was um, produced by Connie Plank, uh, right? And producer who worked with pretty much every A-list band in the German seventies underground. I mean, worked with Kraftwerk, Neu, Ashra Temple, worked with Kron, tons of people. But when I listen to this song, all I hear is Neu and Kraftwerk. Oh, and yeah. that like optimistic, soaring, autobahn racing kind of motoric propulsion. Yeah, I mean, if I didn't know this was a British band, I would swear it was a German band. <laughs> sure. Well, I mean, and dance culture in Germany. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah. I mean, exactly. Leads yeah, I mean, into that. I, I yeah, I mean totally. Yes, 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 yes. That's a dude that that's a rabbit hole i don't think we have time to go down to but that dude well, that is a, that's a brilliant point you know and you know what you know what a dance uh, expert i am sir well but, but, but you're no Come but dude, i mean you're totally right i mean really like german dance culture comes out of all this and that oh, yeah. trend i mean uh manual, and it has relations to kraut rock manual gotching the guitarist for ashra temple his uh, second solo record, E2, E4, hmm. was kind of a techno blueprint. And so uh. all, all this stuff is completely intertwined. So I'm really, really glad that you brought that up. <laughs> well, you know, it makes me go back to an Englishman, Steve Hillage. 
also. Oh, dude. Prog world guy who influenced later the dance movement. Uh, you know, a lot, dude, you know, Steve Hillage was a, yeah. a fixture in the chill rooms at Techno Raves yep. in the early 90s. Yep, pretty crazy. But um, I, I do have one funny story to tell about Connie playing. Prague is everywhere. This is the this is the moral to this story. Yeah, he is. Um, so, <laughs> um, apparently, when Brian Eno started working with um with U two, like or, or or was in negotiations with U two about being their producer, he suggested that Connie Plank instead produce them. Oh, and in a meeting, and Connie Plank said. I cannot work with this vocalist <laughs> and they so um anyway like a little bit of time passed and Eno was like hey look you two's playing in cologne tonight you should go to the show and um so anyway he did and you two was like we would like to introduce everyone to our new producer connie plank Ooh. apparently he um just got up and left and never talked to anyone again <laughs> wow <laughs> okay <laughs> but he liked ultravox he, but he liked ultravox and just to tie it back to Prague before we get to the next artist um there's a great quote in the booklet from midge is it your or major um, yeah it, well i mean it's easy to um, call them one of the main yeah know, in, framers of ultravox like, and all they became sure yeah it's uh um it, it it's a anagram thing or oh, something i see i see okay so anyway ur said I was once asked to go to meet Rush with a view to producing them. They were big Ultravox fans. So I flew over to Toronto and we had a lovely dinner. Then they got around to talking about their album. They asked what my take on it would be if I were producing. And I said, I would simplify it. Suffice to say, I was on the plane home the next day. <laughs> Which is awesome. Um, I love that. <laughs> right? I love that. Yeah. I don't know. I guess there's been speculation. Maybe that maybe that's out there, but I know I feel like I know my rush and I don't know what album that is. I wonder if that's just not been disclosed because that man could hold a secret. Signals or I'm uh, thinking like Grace Under Pressure. Grace right? Under Pressure. Yeah. That was the first one without Terry Brown. So they're searching for that's producers. True. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. 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 Kind of interesting, but I love that even in that era, because you know it was that era and you know where their heads were at, which was oh, certainly a simplification yeah. to what everybody was used to from the 70s and early 80s rush like they were really going this way hard by signals um and, and had hints of it beforehand so i think it's an interesting thing to think about i will say I um i have a very very deep love for the song vienna the title track on this album which celestial season covered they did and i i actually i think i may still own that album I, I think I shouldn't, um, <laughs> but you know I don't anymore. I, yeah, I have a, that I have was a, so that was um, Solar Lovers, wasn't it? Yes. Yeah. yeah um. Yeah. I, it may still be hanging around here. I I'll think about going into my room tonight. Yeah, we've talked a lot about Ultravox. Anyway. We're really talking very much about Ultravox. <laughs> well, I don't I don't know that we necessarily need to, but I I do I do love that song. Um, and absolute gods in the synth pop world. There's no question. I mean, just objectively and generically. I mean, yeah, there's sure. no question about it. And we move on to a band that's really different. It definitely shows the span of intrigue is Gang of Four. I'm not a huge Minutemen fan, and this reminded me of Minutemen. Minutemen had to be 
and I respect the fuck out of Minutemen. I, I just don't like their music, but I, they had to be in the Gang of Four pretty hard. You uh, know, you know? Four and pop group like were probably their yeah their two biggest influences. Oh damn! Okay, wow. I, I guess um, I heard. I guess I heard it. And, yeah. And the the politics of Gang of Four too. Um, and I don't know if you've noticed this, but like even on this first this first compilation, a lot of these bands have. <laughs> like just hard left-wing kind of <laughs> fetish. I guess and, I'm not surprised. Yeah, and like, sure, and sure. Like, like Maoist. Um, like, I mean, I'm not, I'm not surprised either. And I mean, you know, I, I, uh, I well, know. Punk, we don't, punk should be political. I think punk. We don't talk about, you know, politics, but I mean, I'm, I, I, you know, skew hard left too, but like. Sometimes it just, I'm extreme like, left they, to, the, they, uh, yeah, to the point yeah, of these, like. Yeah, I mean, it's like, like I said, a fetish. <laughs> For sure. I mean, uh, let's see if yeah, that holds up as we go. Four. Yeah, Gang of Four was, um, I mean, it's the the name. You just Google it. You Google yeah, it. yeah, it's related to uh, a political event, I guess. Chinese, yeah, 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 uh, and, and group, and uh, we'll get to that actually later in the in this uh, two two songs later. The the Derudi column is also similarly from history yes yeah so Anyhow, this is gang of four yeah this is contract from entertainment absolutely worship this record i think it's like one of the funkiest grooviest records ever i have a couple of things to say about this first of all that song would not be my first choice okay one thing that i find very interesting about gang of four and that has become more interesting to me over the years 
is they loved the band free okay um so <laughs> paul rogers yeah. um yeah they what they loved simon kirk yeah yes yeah, simon kirk maybe i've mentioned this before but simon kirk played my ride symbol yes you have mentioned that and i think you need to get a t-shirt that says that. I, so I cannot remember <laughs> if i've ever mentioned that before uh on radical research ah, maybe i know I you've told okay i know you've told me but I, yeah Dude, i'm pretty sure i've said it like 30 times <laughs> that is awesome it's a, a point of pride for me well yes. like the whole yeah the whole uh thing that came up today uh, the captain beyond studio that you recorded oh yeah yeah, yeah yeah well anyway. <laughs> and, and i'm a i'm a big fan of free um sure uh, oh yeah yeah but anyway what they loved about free was the separation between the drums the bass and the guitar yeah yeah, and the way they all sort of behaved on their own, but together as well. And in the um, in the Minutemen documentary, Nils Klein, um, the great jazz guitarist, he uh, he probably came into popularity as a member of Wilco, but uh, he's got yeah. a, a great history of his own. He was talking about how he heard maybe anecdotally that. D Boone and um, Mike Watt, the guitar singer and bassist in Minutemen, talked about dividing their sounds like political fiefdoms. And so, <laughs> you know, like the bass yeah. here, really, really dry, stabby guitar sound on the other end. There are borders in their sound picture, basically. Yes. Right? Hard yeah, borders. Exactly. Bass yeah. here, drums here, vocals here. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and that's like, that gets us into helmet. So free from free to gang of four to helmet. I think that's that's an episode. It's really interesting, like to think about how you could go from you know this one thing to the other thing to the other thing. But the thing that like they found, you know, kind of shameful about free was the um the obvious you know misogyny and you know willingness to you know engage in intercourse with you know whoever right well they can be prudes they can be prudes yeah <laughs> i look at it both ways smart prudes and that gets us into simple minds doesn't it simple minds being on here might be a surprise to some who don't know kind of how what the depth of their catalog is I've tried Simple Minds once with Sparkle in the Rain, their 1984 album, thinking, just kind of thinking, if I know the pop hits like I do and I and I looked up this history, that seems interesting to me. I'm just going to like buy it for 10 bucks, right? Just buy it cheap. And I just could not get that album to take. Oh. And, I didn't, and I didn't keep it, but I wanted to. So I'm probably focusing on the wrong album. What's your Simple Minds education? Like, oh, I, so I haven't heard I, you talk I about them too much. Absolutely, um hate, um, don't you? forget about me well okay <laughs> i mean i, I like sure. but I, mean, I like I, I but i mean i like a lot of 80s pop right right that song just wears on me the wrong way i've tried this album okay empires of dance from 80 yeah this, that's what's yeah. featured here yeah which again has some weird communist era china artwork yep yep it's a little bit like tin drum by japan which is featured later on this uh it is this four uh, cd set yeah, yeah. Again, I, I mean, and there is like sort of this like abiding Eastern fascination that I think we're going to find runs through a, a lot of this stuff. 
this stuff yeah. and Def Leppard. I mean, they were wearing like all those Dude, metal what bands. About, Tokyo yeah. Blade were right, like you know, named Tokyo yeah. Blade and and uh, had all the garb of like the Rising Sun stuff. All yes, the eighties. Yeah. Any anyway, we, have, we, have you noticed the preponderance of the word camera in like late seventies, early eighties pop and prog songs? Yes. I mean, it's 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 it, there's it's just so much. <laughs> uh, anyway, that's another show. To your point, I had this record and. It had a um, a reputation for being this sort of futuristic, like kind of dance punk record. When I listened to it, I could hear later stuff like LCD sound system, and but I uh, was always cold on it, and I still am. That's kind of my take so far with this one song. I, I do want to check this album out more, but this song holds my interest, and then by songs end, I'm no longer interested. I, um, I, I, I think I, they stick on the on the dancey percussives too much you know the, the quasi disco stuff a little well, too much and too long well then the i do not suspect that the album is going to fare better for you my Interesting. friend okay well thanks for that yeah it's yeah. good to know we'll, we'll take a listen to it one thing i do like about this song called i travel is um and they tried to get this to click as a single for like two years i read uh when i was reading about them um and it never worked <laughs> uh but this this has to be recommended to synthesizer horrors no doubt this is like that stranglers track where even if you don't like it yep. um there's some gorgeous fucking synth stuff on here yep. uh and you know no surprise that they're genesis fans or there's a lot of talk about genesis in the um booklet of intrigue so uh you know i love that well and you know that um yeah stephen wilson's a synth word and that's why he's probably choosing all the <laughs> songs you think have, like tons of synth porn in them Simple Minds, Prog Out.
humorless guy, Jeff. You know. <laughs> well, you just made me laugh. So no, no, you you are not a humorless guy. You, have, <laughs> you you're a guy with much humor. Even even when I hear that, like it reminds me, it, it's almost like a like a real time caricature of like eighties pop. Um, it reminds me of like weird science and Howard the Duck and other things. I hear that. I hear like yeah, I emblematically eighties that I don't particularly love. Some good and, movies. Ferris Bueller that 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 could have been in that great movie. Yeah, but yes. yeah, I, I hear you, dude. That's that's an amazing observation. I, I do get tired of it. I, this is this one's definitely uh, gone down for me over the over the uh, weeks that I've been circling around this comp. Yeah, and I, I, you know, I don't like people say, "Oh, it, it," you know, it sounds dated, or that's fucking bullshit. I mean, I, I love, want, yeah, dude, like I, I want Captain Beyond to sound like they're from the seventies. Um, yeah, give me seventy-two. I don't want that shit yeah. to sound two thousand eleven, right? I mean, but but this off. just, <laughs> I I don't know, man. Listen to this. I just dated, and John Fox is dated in a good way. That's my take on John Fox so far. But I, I've just kind of, of amazing too because I was not prior to this aware of his solo career. Me neither. I um, was completely surprised. We're going to move on to the Derudi column. I suspect there's much to talk about here. I don't know how well you know them, but we are going uh, to... I, I, I've been a, um, <laughs> a Rudy Column listener for probably 20 years now, so... Damn. This is from 1980s Return of the Derudi Column. This is a song called Sketch for Summer, and Hunter's going to tell us all about it when we return. stuff it's it's got a mathy glide uh oh, oh, dude, oh my god dude jeff that might be your um 
your best phrase since um was it that was the ambush one the um fra was it fractured ambushes i think i said that at one point in one episode sure sounds sounds like some dumb thing i'd say i think why well yeah because like uh, yeah yeah and which brings us into like I, more you know things like when they would stop being angular or difficult like things that the champs or caballero would pull off i was about to say um yeah I, i'm sure that that ian from don caballero and battles certainly influenced by vinnie riley who is the the central figure in derudy column yeah just a completely singular guitar style um i i did want to say one thing about it i was involved with a person one time and she was super into this um this canadian singer songwriter named mac demarco and um, she played me a mac demarco album one time <laughs> i was like this is fucking derudy column with vocals whoa it, it, and filtered through some insouciant uh torrent <laughs> Audio, like hipster bullshit <laughs> shelter <laughs> yeah. yeah i got i got from the tonier voice when you started telling the story that this was not going to be good for that artist it, no no but but the point is the point is the point is it frankly sickened me because it, it it was so derivative and it was like i'm gonna find somebody that most people have never heard of and i'm just gonna steal all this shit so it was uh, that close you think I will do uh, uh, not tonight because, I mean, obviously, um, but tomorrow after I've eaten and nourished myself and gotten three hours of sleep, I'll do an A B with you, and you you tell me. Well, we'll 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 do a one hundred five point five. We haven't done a point five in a long time. It'll be a be a good follow up for this episode. Well, it, we um we owe Philip Trummer. Uh, point five. The uh, what was it? Uh, Jan Hammer to was it Jan Hammer to GBH? Oh, degrees of separation, which we did with yeah, uh, Evar and and Morte from uh, TNT. Yeah, but was it Jan Hammer to GBH? Something like that. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, okay, we like, do. Yeah, we, that's uh, we owe him that first. Okay. okay. Uh, the only thing I have to say about Derudy Column before we move on to the next band. A divisive band uh, between us uh the derudy column is that that album do you know the story about the album and the sandpaper packaging no i don't actually oh uh, i would i'm gonna just truncate it i want people to go out there and search that out or maybe we i'll remember to put a link in the notes for this episode but it was basically packaged there's a longer story behind it that makes it kind of better but the, the gist is it was packaged in sandpaper so that like all the other records around it would be destroyed. And that's taken, <laughs> that's taken from an older author, Guy Debord, the French situationist. He had a book that was wrapped in sandpaper to destroy adjacent books. I like that. I love that. Fuck your book and your record. Fuck your book and your record. This heat. Talk to me about this heat because so far. <laughs> Wait, look, I'm, I'm, I, think this, I, I think this is about to get heated. This is I, this is how cold I am on this heat. And if you could see me, because we don't look at each other, we don't do video when we record these. If you can see me, I'm holding my hands about a foot and a half apart. And that's how cold I am on this heat. If you could see me, you would see the multiple eye rolls. The, 
the, the, the look of, the look of derision on my face like the i keep staring off to my left for some reason like i don't know i feel like that's even more dismissive but here's something you... how about if henry cow recently clicked with me which they did and they totally did i'm i'm definitely a fan i'm not a completist but i, I do know, love i do love some henry cow Will, would this be the next thing that might click with me again because you know i've tried a few times maybe yeah i can't it's a matter of incredulousness on my part really now that you can't get into this heat are, are you I, saying that's because you would expect that somebody with my taste yes. would love this heat okay okay sure i, I understand that i get that like yeah. all, all the all the pieces are there I, I just I I continue to be surprised by your inability to get into the band. Well, fair uh, enough. What I've learned about them, and and I want I want to hear what you have to say about this because I, I imagine it's part of their attraction to people that love them is that they were really really radical, just musically slash sonically. Not we're not talking political or they've had no real. They were instrumental, right? No, they're not instrumental. They're not instrumental. Sorry. No, um, um, I, I, I mean, like, largely so, but no, but no. Okay, so I, 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 but I appreciate their inventiveness and how radical they were for for the time that they came out. And Slint also had to be into this heat. That's another band that I'm, I want to love Spiderland, sure. but I just can't get it. I can't quite access all of it enough to love it. But yeah, so so, give give me one say. second here, um, and we're gonna. Don't you don't have to edit this. Okay. Um, I am going to because I remember looking at this at some point. It's the this heat Wikipedia page that tells all the bands that have been influenced by them. And this is really interesting. So um, live on the spot, yeah. router radical um, research is Wikipedia. That's never yeah, happened. I am I am not gonna go through all of them because I'm frankly not interested in all of them, but uh, historically it might be interesting yeah well i'm I'm just gonna i'll i'll look out this is my this is my thing this is your quest man hey go on your hey, quest. Right. it's your so, saga it's your saga. um it's yeah it's my <laughs> i need a saga what's the saga dude yeah all right steve albini avi tear nurse with wound mark stewart the dead sea Daniel O'Sullivan, huh. Disco Inferno, Mark Hollander, 23 Skidoo, David Grubbs, Volcano the Bear, Dazzling Killman. Oh, <laughs> Stephen Wilson. <laughs> well, oh, you say, uh, you don't say. You don't, you don't say. <laughs> uh, let's see who else here. I'm just going to say this because I like the name AIDS Wolf. Um <laughs> I remember Nathan and I making some jokes about that. That's better than Goblin Cock. AIDS Wolf. Yeah. AIDS. <laughs> uh, control Bleeding, Eyeless and, Ga and Gaza, Six Finger Satellite, Transam, Dave Kerman, um, our our buddy. Oh, yeah. The, yeah, he was into them. Yeah, I remember was him. Being, yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. Yeah. Uh, Guapo. Yeah, <laughs> man. We saw them uh, live. See, Were you yep. at the near fest that I was that Guapo played? Oh, you were. No, that was my first near fest. Okay, cool. Anyway, uh, anyway, anyway. In addition, numerous critics recognized the band's influence on the music of the following: Sonic Youth, Glenn Branca, Public Image Limited, Radiohead, Swans. 
Nice. Steering the lab. Gang, okay. Gang. Okay. <laughs> anyway, I'm, no, no, I'm, just, I'm just, anyway, but like, this is so your saga. Go, go, go. My, this is your saga. Right, so, this is your saga. I, yeah, this is my saga. So, this is one thing I wanted to tell you before, and we don't, I don't have to belabor all this. Uh, but, um, dude, why stop now? We've been belaboring this entire episode. All right, so, <laughs> so, Tatsuya Yoshida, the, uh, the drummer for the Japanese bands Ruin, Karekyojin, and Koenji Hiyake, the guy that um, you asked to sign <laughs> the canvas record, and he got oh. really confused. Yeah, right. man, I hadn't thought of that forever. Yeah, so so his band um, Karekyojin, which is kind of like, like this middle point between his other two main bands, mm-hmm. is in japanese it is a it means this giant and it is a pun based on this heat and gentle giant oh wow you just blew my mind (laughs) just went all over the floor it's leaking out that's awesome (laughs) there's there's nothing more to say about this heat i think we get how we both feel i'm not going to rule it out i mean i understand there's an attraction there but there's always and i've tried dude they're not look and i'm just giving you shit because like i know know. they're not um give a fuck if you aren't they're they're not a they're it's like um screaming machines yeah Uh, yeah okay okay it's awesome in its weirdness but like you can't really expect anybody to love it kind of like cheer accident i, I do <laughs> which is how cheer accident has been for me but anyway yes yeah but like i'm never gonna be mad at anybody for not loving it no i i, I love your love for it and I, I i thank you for the education and it's all it's ongoing man it's ongoing
John Fox. Ultra Vox Fox. I didn't. I never, never thought about that. So they probably Ultra Vox Ultra fans probably call that era with John Fox Ultra Fox, no doubt. <laughs> <laughs> well, here's the thing with John Fox. This has been one of the rabbit holes I've started going down. I've listened to the first two albums. I love the shit out of the gar. I think it's called the Garden. Uh, the second one. What? 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 I, I just like that you said you love the shit out of it. Oh, I I do. I love the shit out of the Garden. Yeah, um, but he's excellent. Yeah, he was on these early Ultravox albums, which I I didn't know Ultravox went that far back. I, that was interesting to me. Like, oh I'd yeah, love, like, I'd love to hear their seventy six or seventy seven album. You know, but John Fox struck me. And this is from a a seven inch of his called burning car. And I'm really surprised this didn't land on, on an album, either his first one or the second one, because it's a great song. But anyway, uh, it, it sounds like drastic plastic era bebop deluxe for me meets Gary Newman. It's, it's actually his first album is a pretty much a straight Gary Newman rip. I think Gary Newman had had yeah. enough time in two way army. Uh, and by the way, Gary Newman's featured on a later CD, as he should be. Uh, but Two Way Army definitely predated at least John Fox solo, right? Uh, so oh, yeah. I think he was highly influenced by Gary Newman on the first album. The second album by Fox, I think that thing is amazing. And I cannot wait to get my copy and like listen to it a shit ton more. Great factoid about John Fox. He did the cover art for Porcupine Tree's Lightbulb Sun. Mm. Isn't that crazy? I love that cover. Hell yeah. Yeah, I don't, I don't love the album, but uh, I, I have a lot of good things to say about the album. I don't love it. It's the first. You step. and I, I mean, you know. Oh, we will. <laughs> hey, That's a whole hey, episode. Hey, look, at least we, uh, at least you know, it's not us and Jason Walton. I don't want to. I love Jason Walton, but I don't want to what, talk about what, uh, Stephen what Wilson with him. Would be I just can't do it without uh, a Jason Sl- Walton reference. Walton. <laughs> Okay, so so anyway, John Fox, uh, we're gonna listen and we're gonna get your thoughts because this guy was new to you. Yep.
breathe in the night's perfume As we're in the dark room It's a burning car It's a burning car Alright This reminded me of a song that were this compilation to go back a little further would have almost certainly been on it. It's a song called, and I don't know if you're familiar with this. It's a song called Warm Leatherette by The Normal. Hmm. You know that song? No. Um, I love the title. Yes. It's a really interesting song. And I, I would love to hear your thoughts on that um, if you would listen to it. It's based on um, the Ballard novel Crash, which was oh, yeah. to a very, very weirdly um, sexy film by David Cronenberg. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yep. Um, but I, I, when I'm listening to this, like it, it's got the same kind of like nerve about it that that song has for me. I mean, it's clearly sort of synth poppy, but it, you know, what we what we didn't enjoy about Simple Minds, we like. I feel like this sort of realizes all the potential of that through the, like something darker and more timeless. I totally agree, and 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 that's the that's the reason we also would be really enthused about something like early Gary Newman, like replicas that album. Right. Oh dude. Because of this thread of like alienation and, and yeah, I mean, darkness, great word. Of course it's, uh, it's used a lot, but it's, that's what Gary Newman had a dark good, element yeah. that, that was just a little creepy under that surface, you know? And like, I hear that in John Fox and the more, when I've checked out the album, uh, Metamatic, I think the first one is, very Gary Newman, but still had that vibe of like you're looking over your shoulder, and none of this feels totally comfortable or all that. Yeah, no, yeah, after, that's, after a while, you know, you're like, that's exactly it. It's, it does not feel comfortable. Yeah, it, so love, love John Fox. So glad for that discovery here. And now we go to somebody that you and I are crazy familiar with, Robert Fripp. Uh, he's on here with his League of Gentlemen, which I feel dirty to admit this, but I've never heard this album before. What, what oh this? Oh my god, dude. I, I got dude, uh, so this okay. You uh, you're about to. Feel I know. I, I feel shamed as hell. Oh wait a minute, wait a minute. I'm about to make. You but here, feel can good. I can I, can I qualify that before you respond? I I sure. have to say as a PS to that, I've checked out some of his more ambient solo works, and I didn't really like them. I appreciated them, but I didn't love them. Like uh, the is it the last day or the final day or the 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 hammer down or the let the hammer fall or. Uh, what if, <laughs> some of what I, there's there's several. I just of want them. you to keep going, like with all the... <laughs> right, but but the, so I thought the League of Gentlemen was in that world. I knew it was yeah. a precursor to Discipline era, King Crimson, as we will hear here, which I love. And you know how yeah, it's weird. I just this was the one that I, I of his great discography. I've heard most of it. I own a ton of it, but I never listened to this. So so yeah, what I mean, I I bought, like you, I bought this record um, before the third confessor reunion show in raleigh oh fantastic record store yeah and i love it um i didn't i did not know what it was i mean obviously the internet was a a real thing by then but it wasn't what it is now i mean i didn't have a phone um sure, of course. So i couldn't just like that's all robert fripp 
And I think Tim and I had been to see Crimson the week before. It, it, it was, okay, so it was the week before in Atlanta on the um, Power to Believe tour. But it was Levin on bass or was it still Trey Gunn? No, it was Trey Gunn. Okay, yeah. And, like in in uh, Mastelotto and, you know, Fripp and Blue. But in, anyway, like we were both still pretty hopped up on crimson because i mean it was amazing and so i i saw that <laughs> yes it always is <laughs> i don't even know why i said that no well you know i mean let's let's not we can't press that point too hard no um but that's what she said <laughs> it's not the classiest so, show we do here people but you know we try to keep it classy <laughs> so anyway I, it, I just took a chance on it because you know it had robert fripp and, exactly uh, that's how i heard yeah, a lot of this I, stuff I, yeah, I, yeah. I loved it yep yep um I, and i can see why i i i was kicking myself and i will have a copy of this on the way the the, the frustrating thing it's never been reissued on cd it's only existed on vinyl yeah I, i'm yeah it's weird um i haven't tried title maybe i should see if the streaming services have it i doubt it if it's not oh uh, no 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 they don't oh wow okay why yeah i've tried to download it for a, a flight and yeah uh fruit stuff it's not he still is he still kicking and screaming into this age or is it more not with not with crimson um but i like with actually not all together but like you can't get the um string quartet stuff um it's just like i wonder if it has to do with other people like when he's collaborating with somebody who still has royalties not these being cheap but i think more that he's like i want these people to have this this sure. loyalty so i will i will do streaming for that small sure. show yeah. you know hey look man john zorn came around so yeah no people have come around and they kind of have to tool have uh stephen wilson did so um, well look, like when john zorn comes around it's like oh here's 1800 albums from the zadik catalog <laughs> have fun sorting through that <laughs> right be the last laugh on him but the original matrix run out you know in, in records um but right by the label there the handwriting that they do in the mastering process uh said on the league of gentlemen album the next step is discipline so it all it really fit in with that whole like scheme that fripp had i mean celtic frost adopted that too of that here's the long-term journey and plan you know like they had it all kind of mapped out did you know that about about the the you knew about the link right between this and discipline oh yeah you can hear it no you can totally hear it we'll let the music do the talking this is cognitive dissonance
so if I had heard that in the midst of my crimson delvings and when I was just, you know how you, when you discover crimson, you were just talking about it with you and Tim, how uh, you kind of go crazy and, and you really start delving because it compels you to do that. And you're checking out things like Robert Fripp solo albums. Like if I'd heard that in, in the midst of my first love of crimson in the early to mid nineties, 95, 94, 93, even 92, uh, I would have loved that. I think I would have loved that. Yeah. Yeah, that's really fucking good. It's fantastic. Yeah, well, you and probably it's... never tried to turn me on to that because you probably figured I was already into that. Yeah, I, like I don't think I've ever tried to turn you on to I, anything. I feel naked. It is sort of the missing link between exposure and discipline. Yeah, and I love exposure. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> I know how much you love that. It's great. Any, it's anybody great. listening that does not own exposure, own it. But I mean, it, it, you know, Fripp was still exploring some 70s ideas that he had. Oh, like yeah. Was going somewhere else. But this is like going further into the future. And then, you know, on discipline, he's he's there. Yep. <laughs> Masterpiece. OK. Um, well, we got a shuffle hunter off the bed, man. It's been a late night. This has been a fun one, man. I've really it's my honor to talk to you about this stuff. You've Oh man. You're you're the font of knowledge for this stuff and passion. You know this stuff so well. I look forward to doing episode 106 with you. Before we leave, we got one more song from Intrigue. It's uh in cameras the fatal day. We will talk about that in just a second. Uh but 106, episode 106, which we hope will uh come out a little quicker uh, on this one's heels will be not our year-end favorites because one of these is a 2024 record. Uh but just we're going to pick out some favorite moments from some of our very, very, very favorite metal albums of the last year, <laughs> which usually we're pitching back pretty far, but like, we're just, we're going to go to, you know, stay in 2023 and get into 2024 with uh, samples and just a lot of discussion about why these things are important and great and um, how there's still good metal out there. Cause I think you and I are down yep. on a lot of newer metal, uh, maybe proportionally from where we used to be as listeners and fans. But God, there's still no. It's 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 important to realize that there's still great. Oh yeah, and, and these, work being done. We're gonna look at afterbirths in, but not of. Uh, I'll just stop there because I have a lot to say. Laster's Andermans Minya. Have no idea how to say that. It's an invented language. Horrendous's ontological mysterium, and the Vimont album, the deepening, which as of this recording. It's not out yet, so it's not available yet. But the man himself has granted us uh, one of the members of Vimont that uh, Hunter's buddies with, friends with. John, <laughs> keep yes. saying buddy. Yeah. yeah, has granted us uh, permission to feature this thing. So uh, we'll we'll play two or three snippets from that as well. It's going to be awesome. We really look forward to that. We're really burning for these albums, all of them utterly fantastic. Uh, we're going to listen to In Camera now. This was a band I read about in that great 4AD book that you gifted me with, the Ginn family gifted me with, uh, that Christmas I spent with you guys. And I read that thing pretty quickly after I got it. And I learned about in camera, but I never really grasped onto them. I've tried. It's interesting textually very much, kind of in that Ultravox respect, only completely different. And they never released a full length. Love to get your views on in camera before we go out with this track. It's, it's a very long song. It's yeah, yeah. very tense perturbed i would say it's mm. it, and it's interesting in that early 4ad way before 4ad really codified that ethereal sound 
Sure, uh, sure. It, it, they're they're on to something. But you think about um, like the first deck and dance record. Yeah, and like the the moments of tension on there. Oh yeah, um, <laughs> that's my favorite deck and dance album. Actually, yeah, yeah. I, I think that this has a lot of that as well. Yes, I, I hear that. And, you know, interestingly, Deck and Dance are later on Intrigue. So he had the wherewithal to to cast out that far, which I think is pretty, yep. bril- pretty brilliant. Yeah, we're going to go out with this one. We'll see you for 106. Thanks for waiting. Thanks for your contributions. Thanks for your Facebook playlist posts. Uh, there are a lot of fellow freaks out there that have such interesting musical taste that we, we can get behind and we just love it. So uh, It's super uh, inspiring for us. It's awesome. We love it. Thanks a lot. Good night.